trying to find a way that that's like kind of not in the way, but also in view and easy to easily accessible. Easily accessible. That's what we need. Ease of access. Like the world today. It's easy. It's convenient. That's easy all we want. Easy and convenient. It's what everybody wants. Yep. That's it, man. DoorDash. Why we pay $5 extra per item. And then so we can get 10 it. extra dollars to have for the delivery. And then the tip. Stupid. Instead of driving two minutes to go get your food, pick, pick it up yourself. Or just cook it. Or just cook it yourself. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a dying art. I saw, I saw somewhere somebody was talking about, like, on average, uh, an average meal cooked at home costs somebody about $3. An average meal out right now costs about 15 Yeah. So you're paying... What, five times Five the times the cost for convenience. Yep. And probably worse quality food. Let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, in general, yeah. Just, I mean, unless you're, you know, that's definitely true of most people. I mean, I guess you can actively macro shop. I've done that before. Yeah. Fast food places. Chick-fil-A is closed right now here, so. It is. That's probably the easiest one. Mm-hmm. I've recently found some hacks at McAllister's and at Jersey Mock's. That makes that sense. They were macro-friendly. They have, um, like, wraps. No, actually, sandwiches. Uh, the Chicken Philly at Jersey Mock's. Um, an incredibly large amount of protein. It doesn't definitely still high in fat and carbs, but the fat per gram of protein ratio is pretty pretty on point. Right. Um, you do have to save some calories for it. Both sandwiches about eight hundred, but both of them land at about sixty grams of protein and about thirty fat. So it's not too bad. No, it's not, too not bad at, all. at all. So I mean, you can do it, but most people aren't shopping that way. Right. Food, so no, they're just like, what tastes exactly? What has the most fat on it, so I can. Slide it down my throat. Gotta go down that gullet easy, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Ease and convenience. That's what. Can I just dip this bread in some mayo and just slide it down my throat? I, mean, I would probably do that. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Sounds I like mayo. Fucking gross. I hate mayo. I've ate a lot less of it. Because yeah, it, like, perp- it like, per- like pointlessly tanks my calories. Yeah. Yeah, just for... Not it's, even. It's like adding 150 uh, 150 calories to a sandwich. Yeah, for just a bunch of fat, really. Yeah, for no real, like, productive calorie. Yeah. So. Not is what it is. I, I, you heard it here first, folks. Mayonnaise not macro friendly. <laughs> it is not. No. It is even not. light mayonnaise is probably not that great. No, probably isn't. It's probably still pretty high in fat. I mean, it's all it really is is fat. Yeah, it was literally oil, egg, and vinegar, yeah. lemon. That's what it, if you were to make it homemade. So, yeah. bunch of fat, just a bunch of fat, pretty much Feeling like that. me. Yep. Feeling that right? Yeah, now. we uh, we ate a, both out, <laughs> ate pretty well outside of our macros today, I'd imagine. So I've only eaten twice today, so I don't know. I might I might be able to salvage it somehow if I eat like. Oh, Ten cans of tuna or something. Yeah, I'm not gonna salvage it today. <laughs> but I'm kind of j- I'm on the same boat. I'm just kind of like, I'm just gonna kind of eat. Today basically ended up being my Fourth of July celebration though, yeah. because Fourth of July ends up you know it's in the middle of the week this yeah, it's year. On Tuesday. Um, I'm working all day tomorrow, so it'll be pretty much spot on macros tomorrow, mm-hmm. and then Tuesday at that point in the middle of the week, it's just not terribly convenient to cook again. So yeah, whatever gets meal preps, what getting eaten on Tuesday. That's so. fair. 
just is what it is. So we had our grilled burgers and grilled hot dogs. Yep. And banana pudding ice cream. Banana pudding ice cream. That shit was good. <laughs> it was so fun. Man. <laughs> it was so good. Man, I'm I'm telling you, you make it into a milkshake. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I think it needs another banana. If you did a milkshake, you need some an extra some banana. whole milk, an extra banana, and a little bit of cinnamon. Yeah, that'd probably would be set it good. off. That would, that'd be. Yeah, it would. It tastes like banana nut bread if you did it that way. Yeah, I guess it would. Yeah, I mean, all things are there to make banana <laughs> nut bread at yeah. that point, you know. So, what's really interesting about it is like there's the banana ice cream and then there's the like the whipped topping kind of like. Did you notice that in the swirls? Like mm-hmm. it's yellow and white. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it's supposed to be meringue, right? Is that yeah, what but it depends for? on the the style of banana pudding. Your most people just use whipped cream, but yeah, yeah, could be meringue. Meringue. Meringue is just it's just it's just egg. Yeah, it's burnt it's just egg, burnt egg and sugar. That's <laughs> yeah, all it is. Pretty much, yeah. Oh, it does kind of make a key lime pie awesome though. That's one of my all time favorite desserts. I love key lime pie. It's fucking good. Key lime pie, lemon meringue pie, all that shit. Key lime is pretty much pinnacle for me. That's your, that's the goat for you. That's that's my probably one of my favorite desserts. I can, it's hard to say it's my favorite, but it's probably one of my favorite. Oh man, favorite dessert would be hard. I really like those fucking cake balls. Cake balls are really good, honestly. Especially yeah. if they make them right and they're really moist. I mean, it's cake and cream cheese. It's kind of hard right. to fuck it up. <laughs> and then you get people that do the same thing with the Oreos around Christmas time. Mm-hmm. They want white chocolate dip them. Yeah. That shit's pretty good. They they sell those. I didn't know that. Yeah. They have like uh, the covered Oreos. Is what I think is what they oh, call them. Oh, the covered white chocolate Oreos? Yeah, yeah I've seen those. But I'm talking about like the Oreo balls where the people add the oh, cream cheese yeah, to them. Yeah, yeah. It's just like the cake balls. It's just ground up Oreos. Oreos. Yeah. Yeah, I've had those before. Those are really good. Really fucking good. I was just thinking about like a dipped Oreo. Dipped Oreos are fucking fantastic too. There's yeah. no way to fuck up an Oreo. We could find a way. I mean, I'm not a big fan of, I will eat it. I like a York peppermint patty, but outside of that, I'm not a really big fan of mint. Mm. You don't like the mint Oreos? Mm-mm. I'll do a mint Oreo blizzard from Dairy Queen. I can get behind that. Um, trying to think about that. I'm also really weird about artificially uh, artificially flavored peanut butter, not real peanut butter. Mm-hmm. So I'm not a big fan of peanut butter Oreos. I like regular Oreos in peanut butter. What about a peanut butter Oreo blizzard? Yeah, but then that's real peanut butter. Yeah. That's the... I don't that's want peanut butter there. filling yeah. in my Oreo. That's fair. A little fucking weird. Yeah. It just doesn't yeah. taste, it tastes more like a burnt clutch than it does like peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of a peanut artificial butter. Artificial peanut butter. That's the reason I don't do, and it's not artificial. That's the reason I don't like peanut butter in baked goods. Mm. Like a peanut butter cookie that's been, that's had peanut butter baked into it. Yeah. I don't care for that. It's, it's just weird after it's been like burnt. What about a peanut butter pie? Yeah, that doesn't get cooked though most of the time. That's a chilled pie, so. Well, I guess it depends. I think the only way I've ever had it is like it's just like whipped like and cream, basically a cheese uh, like a well like a cream cheese pie, not really yeah. like a cheesecake with peanut butter and uh, sweetened condensed milk whipped yeah. in it. And, and mom always had crunchy peanut butter. And then so you, you got that like, little yeah yeah. So like that it doesn't ever get cooked like that. So right, yeah. that's fair. Peanut butter and ice cream same way it doesn't get cooked. So I'm okay. With it. I'm weird about a peanut butter cookie though. <laughs> Don't particularly care for it. I can do peanut butter cookies. I'm not. I'm not particularly crazy about them unless they're like filled with something like chocolate chips or Reese's pieces or I'm, something like that. I like a wild cookie, but I, I honest, the, my two favorite cookies is the plainest two cookies you can do is chocolate chip, chocolate chip, and oatmeal raisin. 
oatmeal raisin. Yeah, I like an oatmeal raisin cookie. It's not, you know, it's it's funny. When I worked at Jimmy John's, I had a guy uh, who was a driver, and he always just like, oh, oatmeal raisin's just way better than chocolate chip. And I'm like, better? No. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, what? No, not better. <laughs> what? And I do like an M M&M and M cookie. Yeah. Uh, but then it's just that's just a that's just a uh, gay pride chocolate chip cookie, pretty much. <laughs> Have you June's been... over. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, like those memes of the company that are like all right like, yeah, that's, that was the sip it rip it the... plug for the for the entire month that we missed <laughs> <laughs> yeah. did we, we didn't do anything did we we ate a we ate an m M&M cookie for pride month that's what we did i didn't <laughs> i didn't either <laughs> we, so we did nothing we let's did just, nothing. let's just be honest we we didn't do anything for pride month we are uh the way we are year round. <laughs> we don't. We, we don't. have to be politically correct. We can't yeah. say <laughs> we're fascists. We're not. <laughs> we're not. Although that's the easy. That's probably the easy way out for some people that would lose it arguing with us. <laughs> yeah, you're just a fascist. But, but, I just have. I, I am who I am. I'm. Pr- I feel like we're both very like middle ground when it comes to politics. So everything's right until it isn't. That's <laughs> yeah. true. I mean, that's, that's, that's the truth. I mean, there's extremes you can go in in every direction. And I think that, without getting too political, I think that some things that left-leaners support and believe in were right until they were wrong. Yeah. Because I've talked often about how I believe in gay rights and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. That's what we're, the whole, like... Um, I believe in trans rights. The trans athlete episode, yeah. we, we, that's basically what we yeah, said. I, like, still, I still believe, though, that your rights end where someone else's begin, and that was the problem with the with the trans athlete yeah. discussion, is that you were then taking advantage over of somebody yeah. else's rights. Yeah, So, I exactly. mean, it is what it is. So we had, uh, well, let's go ahead and say... Welcome to the Sip It and Rip It podcast, guys. Yeah. We've, had a, we've had a tangent going on for a yeah. minute. And... Uh, we miss Pride Month. That's we, we, that, the long and short is that we miss Pride Month. And peanut butter cookies taste weird as that. That's pretty yep. much what you missed if you skip ahead. Yep, yep. Um, I'm Nathan. That's uh, Zach. I'm Zach. Uh, at Nathan Skedios on Instagram. At ZG underscore Summer Shred Journey. Yep. I think I'm about to change that. Yeah. Yeah. It so makes I'm sense. temporarily out of the Summer Shred. Yep. And so I don't have to keep saying that goddamn handle. <laughs> <laughs> and then the podcast at Sip and Rip It. We post some memes sometimes. Do you post memes? Huh? We do post memes. Sometimes. I wonder if that's going to hear. Is it picking yeah. up? Oh, it picked yeah, up. It's, it's picking up. Yeah, the scratching is picking up. Also, if you like... Yeah, I do that a lot. Too. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. Play y'all a little song. <laughs> play, play a little <laughs> song. Little Speaking of songs, we had a, a, a listener... Ask a question about some songs, didn't we? Yeah, we did. I think we probably should wait until meat and potatoes on that, though. Oh, you don't want to? You don't uh, want to mention it now? Yeah, let's go. Let's get on into it. I figure we'll save it for PR song time uh, because it's a fitting. That that's moment, fair. You know that's I mean? fair. That's fair. That's fair. So, what did you do in the gym this week? Me, uh, I fixed my goddamn squat. Is what I did. You did, or Joe did? <laughs> Joe did. Joe did. <laughs> Joe told me how to fix my squat. There you go. Um. But no, so we had a really productive day um, on Tuesday, I want to say, because I didn't go on Monday because I, I was having a really fucking bad two days with my lawnmower. So I didn't make it to the gym on Monday. Tuesday, I went in pretty 
pretty frustrated just by the whole, by everything that was going on. And I was talking to Joe while I was warming up, trying to figure out what we can do about my squat. And uh, we had come to the conclusion about gluteal amnesia. That may have been that may have been the week prior. I can't remember that we came to that conclusion. He gave me some homework to do, and I kind of tried to do it. And I got back with him. I was like, I'm not really feeling anything. Okay, well, uh, do you feel it at all? I think I was walking on the treadmill while I was talking to him, and he said, um, "Well, push your hips forward." You know, kind of like get that clinch feeling and, you know, really like straighten your legs when you bring your, your foot up. And I said, okay. And I could feel it. And I'm like, yeah, I can feel it there. And he's like, okay. So just kind of keep doing that and hold on to that feeling because that's what you're looking for. And I said, okay. Finished that up, went to my warm ups, did all my warm ups. In the middle of my warm ups, when I was doing split squats, I was like, I can really feel my glutes all of a sudden. I was just like, okay, and you know, something's, something's connecting here. So I'm getting that mind-muscle connection into my glutes. Then I go to squat. Just fucking perfect. Like, I don't know how else to explain it. I just really got glute activation. Had none of that wink. Like, everything was smooth. Everything felt great. I had no low back pain. Like, it was... It was like a miracle. I was just like, what the fuck, dude? Like, it just, <laughs> out of nowhere, just, like, completely fixed. And, you know, we, I'd been working with him for, excuse me, it was about a month now. And just, like, everything. And this, this whole week has kind of been that way because didn't really have anything for my bench press. There's nothing really wrong with my bench press. They're probably my best lift out of all of them, to be honest with you. And then... uh Friday, I was doing deadlifts and I sent him and I was like getting real, I was getting pretty pumped because like I was getting the bar floating off the floor and I was like, this is awesome. You know, I'm like getting real good slack pulling stuff. And he said, Hey, uh, well, I, I, I was doing that. And then when I got to my working sets, I was getting frustrated because I could feel the bar pulling me forward. My back was kind of rounding a little bit. And I told him, I was like, I'm getting a little frustrated about this and bitched about it a little bit. And he said, he looked at it and he said, you know, all you need to do is like take a half step back. And I was like, that's something Ron had told, we yeah, talked about yeah. Ron changing that. Yeah, Ron, Ron yeah. said that for you. And I never really thought that I needed that. Like, yeah. I didn't think it was an issue. Took a step back, pulled. I was like, holy shit. And it was just like a different deadlift. So, for the record, y'all, he's talking about physically taking like a half step back. Yeah. So, we're talking about three to six inches, depending on the person. So, for me, oh. it, it essentially. And this is something that we talk about all the time is midfoot is where the bar should be sitting. That's where it was sitting. Yeah. So really, I had just been not following my own advice and yeah. not being midfoot. I just got a little closer to the bar than that. So he said, yeah, just uh, take a little half step back and really focus on pushing your knees forward and getting that into the bar. And my positioning was so much better. There was no low back pain, which deadlifts don't really bother my low back that much anyway, but it, it significantly felt better, felt more drive out of my quads. Just like overall, just like a really productive week as far as fixing my form. And this was the last week I am working on this block with him. So I have no idea what's going on with the next block. And I won't know until tomorrow or Tuesday. <laughs> so fair. what about your week? Um, continuing with RP bodybuilding for the most part, or RP, RP hypertrophy, or whatever you want to call it. Um, it's good. Um, trying to rectify my squats. Um, yesterday they felt 
ridiculously heavy. I do have mm. uh, a knee problem right now, but it's not affecting my squats or my lunges or any lower body work, except for I can't really do leg extensions that well. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, that patella femoral syndrome or whatever that uh, runner's knee, I think is what mm. some, some people call it. So um, it was wear, from wearing, uh, it wasn't a gym injury. It's from wearing slides too much. Mm. So that's interesting. Well, it's not, it's been the worst, it's the worst flare up I've ever had, but this is something that flares up in me often if I have to wear, um, and I do wear boots sometimes in the winter if I wear boots for more than one or two days in a row, mm-hmm. something like that. So while my knee's not injured, it's, it's pissed off. Right. Um, it feels very unstable. It feels like I'm walking around with my knee injected full of crunchy peanut butter. Oof. But I mean, there's no pain in a squat. Right. There's no like lateral pain. It's not painful to touch anywhere. So it's just, you know, I think that's probably all it is. Yeah. So. That's just but, a, a really weird analogy is crunchy peanut butter. That's what it feels like, yeah. Feels, or, you know, another, another analogy is you ever, you ever step in mud and, like, your foot kind of sucks to the ground a little yeah. bit? It's kind of like that all the time. Okay, okay. Yep. So, not not real fun, but... No. Um, it's just pissed off. I don't think there's anything detrimentally wrong yeah. or anything, so... That's what just kind of, like, ease ease up a little bit and let it... Yeah. Let it do its Upper thing. body strength is really good. Uh, lower body strength probably... It's it's hard to tell because I'm not deadlifting right now. Mm-hmm. I feel like my lower body strength is good. I'm just uh, just dealing with little pain. deconditioning the squats, trying to get used to uh, squatting without a mirror, which sounds like a ridiculous thing for a power lifter. But we do squat facing a mirror mm-hmm. a lot, and I didn't realize how much I counted on that for for depth. Not just for depth, but uh, checking my upper body position and stuff. Yeah, you know what I mean. I'm I'm used to relying on visual cues where I should be relying on. You know what you feel, how I feel. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So it almost feels like I'm brand new to it and relearning how to squat. Yeah. In a lot of ways, which is probably good for me. It's what I've been do- doing for <laughs> yeah, a whole month absolutely. is just relearning how to squat. So. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> we talked about some of the things that Joe's brought up with you before as being possibilities. We didn't really look into them mm-hmm. too much, but I'm actually working on several of the same things myself. Yeah. So. Mainly the hips for more of a hips forward position. Yeah. Hips under you. Yeah. Not really forward, but hips under you mm-hmm. um it really makes a difference on how your glutes activate is the biggest thing that i've noticed yeah because absolutely. they it, you automatically just get that squeeze when you push your hips forward and if you can stay there one thing that really got me so i always grab the floor you know now that i'm putting my hips uh below me and I, I really am thinking about pushing my knees out. And I'm like driving extremely hard my knees out. And that's making a huge difference in my positioning overall. Yeah, That makes sense, man. I think these are things, you know, me and you've both done. Obviously, I've done a lot of coaching. But me and you've both done a little bit of coaching. I think these things are easier to identify in somebody else than they are in yourself. Yeah. I think so, too. And yeah, I we think- wasn't 100% sure when we talked about it with yours. But that's something we did. You know, well, right there at the beginning with with Joe, I think you were in the shop when we discovered the the pelvic tilt or the mm-hmm. hips forward thing. Yeah. Um, you know, that's something that we've discussed before. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can see it in other people better than you can feel it in yourself. Yeah. So, and that's the biggest thing is feeling it because if I didn't know what to feel, that yeah, was exactly. the biggest thing is I just didn't know I was supposed to be feeling a certain way that like at the start of a squat and at the end of a squat. Yeah. And then when we kind of came across that, it was like obviously right but you don't if you don't know what you're looking for or what you're trying to feel for and you don't know how it feels it's really hard to make that kind of assessment 
Yeah, for sure is. Like I said, I feel like it's easier to see in somebody than it is to feel yeah. yourself. Um, so I know a lot of people probably, especially if you're another coach, you're probably rolling your eyes about all this. But let's be honest, like you probably ain't that great at feeling it yourself either. Yeah, it's much much easier when you're accustomed to seeing it mm-hmm. than it is rectifying it in yourself. Yeah, I mean, especially when you're equipped like me and Nathan are to have the exact tools we need to fix it in ourselves. It helps to have somebody else see it. Yeah. Because um, really, it helps even more to be able to, like from now on, you're always going to be able to identify this now that you know how to identify this, yeah. like in yourself, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like you'll know when you've done it and when you haven't, yeah. you know? So, but that's a lot harder skill to develop than seeing it in somebody else, whether yeah. or not they're doing it or, yeah, or not. Yeah. So, visual cues are, yeah. are a lot, a lot easier. A lot easier. Yeah. And then, and then you know, being honest on it, you tend to lie to yourself when you're doing through these things too. Yeah. Because you don't want, you don't, a lot of times it's like, well, that's not my problem. It's got to be something more complicated. I'm yeah. better than that. Like, yeah, you, you I, overthink I, it. Yeah. I'm better than the basic problems. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what it boils yeah. down to. And I, I definitely or, think even that. Even if you know that's not true, sometimes it's just frustrating because like, you know, you're stronger in the bad position for the moment. Right. Like, that's the issue I'm having a hard time with. Like, I'm basically relearning how to squat. Like, I know I can squat five plates right now, but like, and I'm having a hard time squatting three with the right way right <laughs> you know what i mean like um so i mean i think it's i mean hell on the ssb the other day i worked up for a single at 330 so it was three plates on the ssb mm-hmm. more it's not a heavy squat right like but because i'm trying to force new positions it was fucking god awful yeah <laughs> you know what i mean it is what it is but like it's a shot to your ego to fix things mm-hmm. that need to be fixed sometimes yeah that sucks. That's one thing I'm really glad about getting, because I was talking about getting with Joe sooner than, or I was actually originally planning on only having him for three months to do a peak, and then things got so bad with my low back that I just couldn't handle it anymore. I was like, I just gotta, I gotta get with him and like fix this because if anyone's gonna fix this, Joe Sullivan is the guy to fix your squat. Like I'm just for gonna sure. tell you right now, and it was so like so easy too it's crazy to think about it because how long was i trying to fix my squat for like months yeah but we probably he fixed three, it. it was three to six months it's hard to tell really probably he, most of 2023 he fixed it in like three weeks yeah like he just he just identified he was very able to identify because he's so knowledgeable about it he was very easily able to identify every single thing that was going wrong just by a couple of videos and what I was, the information I was feeding to him. And that yeah. just comes with experience. That's yeah. all that is. That's a lot of experience. And I'll be honest with you, I think that you probably know this now, but since you're an advanced level athlete now, that comes with different problems than, than the majority of people I coach who are, you know, I have women that total sub 1,000 and men that total sub 15, mostly mm-hmm. is my clientele. They have a whole different set of problems than somebody that advanced like you do. Right. Uh, you and Austin have a much different set of circumstances and issues than... Mm-hmm. Than my guy that just crossed twelve hundred. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, and definitely. That's the, and that's the truth. So, like, I think Joe's a little bit more adapted to coaching a high level athlete. And I'm not afraid to admit that. Most of us that are making our living at this are coaching ba- a beginner and intermediates. Yeah. So, I mean, but Joe's probably got Joe's different. Half his roster is probably has has an elite total. Yeah. So, uh, he's used to coaching more advanced problems. Yeah. <laughs> it just exactly. Is what it is. Yeah, so, and just and I um, would just say just the fact of it hasn't close to a 900 pound squat now like that he he knows what it feels like so if me describing what i'm feeling he's going to be able to be like oh well i know how that feels so 
just do this. Like yeah. I've, I've, I'm sure he has fixed a lot of things about his own squat or had somebody probably, uh, he's been working with Jakey B for a while. Um, so I don't know if maybe he helped him or anything at that point, but I mean, he had, he's been through it essentially. Yeah. Well, regardless of where the experience comes from, the experience is there yeah. and he knows how to yeah. rectify these things. So probably a little bit of both, probably, yeah. probably firsthand and coaching yep. experience and, uh, advanced level problems but yeah absolutely so i don't know man that was solid week in the gym we uh we definitely went on a tangent there but i mean it was probably uninformative to be yeah. honest you got a pr song yeah just one we doing uh one? yeah maybe we'll do a couple i don't i mean i have a few but it's a bunch of new shit that i haven't really reviewed well enough yet so i don't i'm gonna give my one We'll do we'll do one. I'll have to pull up Spotify because I did not have cool. One. Um, with my old age, I told you I'm you know I've always been a metalhead, and I think I'm still more metal than hardcore to be honest with you. Um, but I'm no longer what I used to be, where I was like, <laughs> you got to keep your hardcore out of my metal. I'm not like that anymore. Um, I like some boneheaded shit, and hardcore is kind of fun and boneheaded, and that's kind of fun, and it just makes me feel good. I don't know what to tell you. Um, I don't have to sit and listen to it as intently as I do a metal album, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, it can kind of be playing in the background. You're just hearing like the, it's, the crunch. It's serving a, a little bit more of an emotional need than it is like an intellectual one, if that right. makes sense. Yeah. So, um, so my first one, uh, and my new client, Joey Miller, I asked him, he's always been a hardcore kid, fucking hardcore kids. <laughs> um, I'm slowly becoming one, so I can't say that anymore. But uh, he's always been a hardcore kid, grew up playing in hardcore bands. That's how I know Joey initially before we both got into powerlifting. Yeah. But... Um, he sent me several recommendations of, you know, half dozen bands or something. But one I really liked a whole lot was a band called Body Snatcher. And uh, they have a new song, a single. Yeah, it's a single right now. I guess it's probably going to come out on an EP or something. I'm going to get in trouble. That's broke. I'm going to get in trouble. No, you ain't. Just, uh, we got that double-sided tape called. She'll never know. It'll be okay. <laughs> Nathan just broke a coaster. <laughs> We know she's not going to find out by listening to the podcast. She doesn't listen to the podcast. But she asked me to come back. I was just, it's just like the condensation on the bottom stuck to Do you have it upside down? You have to, right? I mean, I guess we're the same thing either way, right? Stop talking about that. Just push it back together, dog. Nobody's going to know. We'll get the double-sided tape back to it later. <laughs> body Snatcher. Yeah. Dead Rabbit by Body Snatcher is my uh, my PR song for the week. We have an interesting uh, conversation that one of our listeners started about this, too, when we get done with our entries. I am going to go with a classic new metal song. New metal? Oh, yeah, my God. I, it's okay. It's okay. It's band we it's both like. Static X. It, it, it's, it's band not, we both it's like. It's not Static it's, X. It's Slipknot. It's Slipknot. Okay, good. Slipknot. <laughs> but, uh, but People Equal Shit by Slipknot. That's, that's pretty that's, fucking that's, good. That song goes hard, man. It I, does. I, I don't know, man. There's something about just yelling how much people suck just like i'm like i get it (laughs) yeah absolutely and you know i have i have a a little bit of a tangent to go on and it's most it's it's it has to do with people in a general sense i don't know when it started happening so much but people are just fucking disgusting and have no hygiene nobody is washing their hands anymore that is a little gross. I saw probably a 13, maybe 12-year-old kid go to the bathroom and walk out without washing his hands today in the gym. And I was like, what the fuck, dude? 
where are your parents so I can just slap them? Like, that is just gross. I just don't understand it. So people equal shit. People equal shit. Probably shit on their hands. They probably got shit on their hands because they're not washing them. God damn. Yeah, so I mean... Oh, like, I, got, I got another one. This is this is this is an actual shit story. Oh God! And this happened. This should have gone to the beginning before we did this. <laughs> this happened Friday at work. So we have a toilet that's out. Oh, there's a trash bag wrapped around it, so that people know don't go to the bathroom. Somebody shit on top of the trash bag. They pulled the trash bag off, shit in the toilet left it sitting there and wrapped the uh, trash bag around the handrail because it's uh, one of the handicapped bathrooms. And just walked out. People are savages. It's just fucking gross, man. Like, I mean, if we're going that way, <laughs> I got one too. <laughs> Let's go. Shit stories. Yeah, so first of all, this man is in his 90s. He's lived a long life. He barely knows who I am anymore. He's got dementia. But my granddad and my uncle came and visited me at my nutrition store in Coleman. And uh, I have a rocking chair that I keep up there. It's like a, a fold-out rocker like you'd take to like the racetrack or like to a sporting event or something. It's just a folding chair. It just happens to be a rocker chair. Right? So granddad's 90-something years old. So, of course, when he comes in, I give him the comfortable seat. I get my ass up. and I'm like, here, granddad, yeah. you can sit here. They're planning on staying with me for a half hour or so and talking and whatnot. About five minutes in, my granddad's like, well, I think it's time to leave. And my uncle's like, oh, okay, dad, whatever, we'll, we'll go. He's like, say bye to everybody. And granddad got up and said bye to everybody and uh, left. And about halfway to his car, I looked over at my rocker and I looked at granddad. <laughs> I looked at my rocker and I looked at granddad and there's shit in my rocker <laughs> and there's a brown spot in the back of the old man's pants. And my, my granddad literally came to my, sto my store to see me at work long enough to shit in my chair and leave. <laughs> That's a pretty... It got the whole, first of all, the whole store got cleaned like thoroughly a couple of times. And then uh, the chair has gotten cleaned. I, had to, I almost feel like I've had to clean it every day before I can sit in it again. Um, I'm back using the chair, but like... <laughs> If that thought creeps up in my mind, like I have to like habitually clean it before, uh, beforehand. Oh man! So yeah, he can't help it. So I'm not mad at him. But speaking of old men shitting, <laughs> really, we really hit a stride here today. So, I did not firsthand experience this, um, but I was told about this during my time at Walmart. It's an old guy. Walking around, pushing his buggy, you know, like getting groceries and stuff. Just stops in the middle of the, in the middle of an aisle and just stands there. Shakes turd out of his pant leg. Keeps on walking. Oh man, I've got worse than that. Talk about grocery, <laughs> grocery store stories. I used to work at a grocery store in high school and then at the beginning of college. We had somebody. It wasn't that, warehouse, was it? It was. It was. Yeah, with Wes. Wes worked with. Okay, because yeah. I was thinking. I was he like, always I feel... he always had to he always had to stock and redo aisles thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen, which is the easiest job in the store because Ooh. mostly because he was too baked to handle any, <laughs> anything busier than that. I don't know if Wes was here during this time or not, but it actually caused like an uproar over who was going to clean this up. But we had an old man and a uh, and a hover round, you know, like the cart. Yeah. Who uh, had a colostomy bag. Busted. And it left a trail of sewage. <laughs> oh, man. 
all over all over the store. Yeah, that's one of them. And then another <laughs> that's time, one of them. somebody used the bathroom and they got it everywhere. <laughs> I'm talking about like I I don't remember it the way that everybody talks about it, but there are people that claim that it was on the ceiling and everything. <laughs> And my friend Patty at the time was training a new cashier, and the <laughs> cashiers were responsible for. Yeah. I was a stock boy, so if anything happened on the floor, we were responsible for it. Bathrooms, though, break room, shit like that. Cashiers did it. He was training a new cashier, opens up the men's restroom to a literal shitstorm like <laughs> everywhere, and he's toward the end of his shift, and he's like, "Well." You know what to do. Knock yourself out. <laughs> Just hands the mop off to the new girl and fucking clocks out and goes home. <laughs> Did she quit? Uh, not that I recall, but I probably would have quit. Just instantly, right there, I've been like, you at that point, pay honestly, me and, and you're in an industrial building. They have drains on the floor. Honestly, God, at that point, I go get the water hose from the meat market. And if you don't know, all meat markets have to have it because yeah. that's. They have to bleach and mm -hmm. clean and everything at the end of the night. So they use a water hose and they just do an industrial drain and, yep. you know. Clean it up that way. If it had been me, I'd have got the water hose out of the break room and just just sprayed it, bleached everything, put on the gloves up to my elbow, a mask if I could, and hose that just, shit just out. Just give me a hazmat suit. Dude. There is no damn way I'm doing that with a mop though. No, I'm doing I mean, it with no, a mop. Ain't no way I'm doing it with a mop. My my brother had the exact same story. They had Burger King instead of <laughs> grocery store. <sighs> Poop stories. People have no respect for. Anything, but I just, I just let alone like public places. I'm just curious what their bathroom. Have you ever gone like. to the bathroom at a music festival? <laughs> no, fucking I, dirty ass, <laughs> fucking hippies. I would God, never. I, mean, I, I don't know that I could go. I know hippie culture is like almost a little popular right now and all that shit. But man, that's fucking. If you've ever been to a music festival, you know that's the nastiest fucking human being alive. <laughs> you can probably smell them a mile away. God damn. They have to use a bathroom after them. Mm. I mean, there's no sitting down at one of those. No. Like, if you have to go number two, you hold it, period. <laughs> He's like, I'll, I'll no find way. somewhere in the yard. I will die like, of indigestion. It. I'll back up. My colon can rupture and I'll die of sepsis in this parking lot before I use one of those bathrooms. <laughs> there's no way. <laughs> No way uh, I'm fucking doing that. I just feel like, especially, I used to go to like Warp Tour a lot. Yeah. And that was a very broad demographic of people. You would have like, like I was there for metal and hardcore bands, post-hardcore bands, stuff like that. And maybe here and there, like a few like pop punk bands and stuff like that. But there's a lot of ska. There's a lot of punk, like real punk, like real crusty punk there. Mm. Um, There's a lot of genres that kind of attractive gross demographic <laughs> like right. real skinheads and shit like that yeah. like not like this is not like i'm just talking shit about they're like obviously not good people right. when you meet them too. These, <laughs> these demographics i'm talking about and i have to go use a restroom after them not okay sporting <laughs> events are the same damn way though yeah yeah heaven forbid you have to take a drop a deuce at a at a college football game right yeah i can only imagine what the bathrooms in fucking tuscaloosa look like rather not find out to be I honest mean, with you i ain't got a set of teeth in the whole fucking crowd so <laughs> <laughs> i mean I, I bet their aim is not that great <laughs> so right. they just like i'm in here That's the good thing good about enough. that most of them are gone by halftime so true yeah. right, we won we're in the lead by 14 <laughs> probably like 40 yeah it depends <laughs> on who they're playing game. but but it is what it is
Still the world's most white trash demographic of anything. <laughs> another another thing too, you know, I've never been a country music fan. I can imagine a country music concert is probably a trash place to have to use the bathroom. It probably <clears> depends <throat> on the artist, if I had to guess. Like maybe maybe some older, like more like I don't know. Like people who've been around. There's a, while. a lot of Bud Light and Crystal Meth in that fucking crowd, dude. That's I all mean, I'm saying. That's like, fair. That's fair. <laughs> I'm out. I don't think I've ever been, well, I guess I've been to one concert where I didn't smell a whole bunch of weed and get warned about acid bubbles, but, <laughs> you know. Oh, well. That was that was one of Wes's concerts, and that's because it was an all-ages concert, and it was indoors and small. That's fair. Yeah, yeah I don't know, man. And that, there was uh, definitely some, some crazies. Sporting events and concerts and stuff give, kind of give me the heebie-jeebies now anyway, that my anxiety is so bad, and I get bad crowd anxiety, yeah. so... I'm probably you know gonna gonna secure a number two, but both immediately before and immediately after before that's, I go into man. The that's now. what Waffle House is for. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you just but go then again, after. that depends on the. I've been in some Waffle now. The Waffle House I go frequent is pretty fucking clean, but Waffle Houses can be hit or miss. That's true. They can be hit or miss. Mine and down here in Good Hope, perfect place. It's the perfect Waffle House. Great staff, always clean, amazing place. Not all Waffle Houses are created equal. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you ever? This is, this is another just going on a million tangents. You ever been on? Ever, uh, seen the the video of like the the guy who's starting his own Waffle House and it's literally just a guy in an underpass with a grill and like a waffle maker. He's <laughs> just like chilling. Like yeah, he's like, got a sign that says Waffle House and he's like yeah, what you want? <laughs> and it's like. Damn, bro. That's not a Waffle House. That's a Waffle Home. It's <laughs> <laughs> a Waffle. What, what would it be? What would you call it under an underpass? I don't know. Or an overpass, I guess. Under an overpass. Under an underpass. That doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, we didn't mention our drinks today either. Uh, we had uh, strawberry bourbon smashes, and they were fucking nasty. They weren't nasty. I did follow somebody else's recipe. Um... It got. We did not t discuss the recipe beforehand, like we normally, like we said we were going to. But it was uh, strawberry simple syrup, one muddled strawberry. Um, your favorite bourbon. We did not have our favorite bourbon. We just had a bourbon. Uh, neither one of us liked that one particularly. A little too oaky for this drink. Uh, but bourbon, and uh, I did use a little orange bitters, and you can top it with either ginger ale, sprite, or club soda. So we used ginger ale. Uh, I think that complements the strawberry quite a bit. And honestly, I think it really helped that double oaked yeah. bourbon because that was a little too strong of a bourbon for that. Yeah, for that style of Yeah, I think, uh, I think if we had done uh, a really light soda like Sprite or Club Soda, I think it would have been undrinkable, to be honest with you. But That's fair. This is what it is. And then we had we 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 kind of passed over. We're all over the place today. That question yeah. that our, our, our uh, listener had. Yeah, so um, Braxton... <laughs> he listens to a lot of them and Braxton is a much much better person than me and Nathan he's a uh, <laughs> he's a good religious man he's a very a very good one not 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 a judgmental person at all he's a he's just an amazing human being but he is a he's a very godly man and somebody I respect quite a bit um but he asked the question <laughs> he wanted to know when uh when we got on the dark path that our uh playlist obviously uh <laughs> exudes so <laughs> um how do we go down that path to get as dark as our playlist is currently do you want to start or do you want me to start uh mine will probably be long-winded so you better start okay mine's very short so 
I, I grew up in a religious family, so it wasn't a whole lot of, well, I say I grew up in, I did grow up in a religious family, sort of. My dad was religious for a time period, and then he was not. He was not, bef he was not before he met my mother, <laughs> and then after he was, and then a little later he was no longer a religious man. Uh, that being said, so when I first started listening to music, and he... <laughs> <laughs> it was uh i didn't have well i'll say this i didn't have a lot of interest in music uh as a kid like as like eight nine ten growing up just didn't have a whole lot of interest in music uh, i got to 12 or 13 and uh i was just watching american idol with my mom that was my music taste so like it's changed <laughs> dramatically so I, I, and you know i listened to that stuff but i didn't I didn't really get it, right? right? So I listened to it because I was like, oh, this is what people do. They listen to music. I didn't really understand it. It's when my brother really started getting into music that I started getting into music. And he got into, like, he, he got Metallica Ride the Lightning from my dad. And yeah. uh, Master of Puppets from my dad. Yeah. He was just, like, listening. He was like, this is really cool. And I was listening. And I was like, that's fine. Yeah, it's it's cool. You know, I still wasn't quite into it yet. And he listened to some stuff. And I think I listened to some Disturbed. That was like my first like hard rock band was was Disturbed, new metal hard rock. And I was like, yeah, I get it. This is cool. And my brother got it. Uh, the end of Heartache by Killswitch Engage. I specifically remember that's like a core memory. And I was hearing that, and I was it was the first time I heard the the scream vocals, and I was like. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. You know, I just, I wasn't quite there yet. And then like just being around it from my brother and Wes and my sort of my dad, my dad wasn't really listening to that much stuff, that kind of stuff at the time where I didn't really notice it because we didn't really talk about music, but just kind of gradually. Right. So it, it starts with Metallica, Disturbed. Anthrax, Megadeth, which I wasn't huge on Megadeth, but I listened to them. Um, th old thrash metal. A little bit of metalcore, Killswitch Engage, All That Remains, kind of just like, you know. Those are probably good bridge. Scream vocals with, with, you know, clean choruses kind of thing, just kind of stuff. And then just, <laughs> Demu Borgir, Cannibal Corpse. <laughs> like, it just kind of just like, I guess what it really boiled down to, and it's kind of like a weird addiction thing, is like you're looking for the next like, what's what can be like harder? What can be like? Yeah, you know, it is. Yeah, I, I, I compare it to drinking beer. Like, um, I know you're not a real big beer drinker, yeah. but like you've probably experienced this with some liquor. Like, if you drink like cheap beer long enough, and you drink a good beer all of a sudden, like, like oh damn, this is good, right? Mm -hmm. And then you're always like. Wanting it, a little bit be, better quality. Yeah. yeah, you're always curious. It's like, okay, well, if I like this, then what do I think about? Mm -hmm. You know, it kind of, uh, it kind of does open up like a Pandora's box in a way, too. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty fun to be, mm -hmm. to be honest with you. I think it is pretty, it's pretty slippery. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, you know, when you get used to one thing, then it's not heavy enough. And then, mm -hmm. like, there's a point where you almost regress where, like, mm -hmm. well, like, I kind of, I, I kind of still like this old shit that I listen to. You know, yeah. like listen to more stuff like that, and then even like new stuff like that, and like you just end up going down a whole lot of avenues. Yeah. To be honest. 
and it's it's one of those things for me that was just kind of like i i can still like listen to some lighter stuff some cleaner stuff and i still enjoy it i can listen to stuff that i listened to when i was a kid and still enjoy it i can listen to new stuff really heavy stuff really dark stuff and i can enjoy it it's just yeah absolutely i mean music's good though i mean mm -hmm. music in general is good i think you know because the nature of the podcast you know it being a lifting podcast like even if we were rap fans or fans of electronic music the chances of us talking about something more on the violent side of that or more on the more aggressive side of mm -hmm. that i should say probably pretty good because of the nature of this podcast it yeah. doesn't necessarily encapsulate everything that i listen to yeah i would say it is the majority of what i listen to mm -hmm. but it's definitely not so like, I'll, I'll just just like you said because it's powerlifting contest and it is called pr songs yeah. this is songs that like get us riled up like yeah. it's something that you're like they probably are coming senses, from a, yeah exactly you know? they are probably coming from a violent frame of mind yeah you know what i mean like at least to some degree right yeah absolutely it's either you know i'd either I'd toe the line between and you know some people would even consider it violent but like a lot of times like I lift really, really well something a little bit more uplifting, and I might put something like Kill Switch Engage on. Yeah, I, I know it's probably darker sounding than a lot of people for a lot of people, but those are generally pretty happy, pretty uplifting lyrics. Yeah. Um, so like, it depends on my need of the day yeah. for sure, but like for the most part, it is super aggressive music, regardless of what the content mm -hmm. content is. So, yeah. Um, even if I listen to the rap in the gym, and I listen to a lot more rap than you do in the gym, probably. Mm -hmm. Same thing. I'm looking for something fight or flighty something yeah. with some violent content like just aggressive it's aggressive like, yeah absolutely i'm not listening to fucking nelly in the gym i'm, I'm not, <laughs> not fucking what i'm listening to like you know somebody's dying you know more than likely you know what i mean uh or you know they're singing thing you know singing about things that's going to help me pull pull my head out of my ass one yeah. or another. um but in general regardless of content it's, it's mm. going to be aggressive more yeah. than likely the only other thing that I would say as far as my taste and gym music is that sometimes it may it may not necessarily be violent. It could it could still be considered violent, but like soundtrack music, orchestral music kind of stuff, yeah. like that stuff does tick a box for me. Yeah. Like and it just depends on the situation, what I'm doing. Um uh this is gonna be like I don't know, some people might think it's cheesy or something, but like the God of War theme song like the whole soundtrack like i fucking love lifting to that because there's just something something about it it's just the way oh it's, the, it's imaginative and it puts you in you know it kind of does put you in the frame of mind of the context of those games and yeah. stuff like that which are violent games yeah god of war is a very violent <laughs> yeah, game you know I mean? so, <laughs> a little like, less so the newer ones but still the old ones were extremely violent yeah absolutely that was, that was one of the 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 catches of the game. It's yeah. like, you want to play something violent, play God of War. Kratos is literally going to rip a dude's head off, like clean <laughs> with his bare hands. Right. Like that kind of shit. And then he's going to, it was the God of the sun. He ripped his head off and then uses it as a lantern. Well, that was good. All right. <laughs> you got anything bad about yours? No, no, that's all I got. Yeah. So mine, um, I grew up a musician. I started playing music when I was eight. Um, Probably started, I took lessons for about six months. And by the time I was nine, I was actively playing in a church every Sunday. Mm. Uh, I grew up Church of God. So um, while it's not uh, as extreme of a Pentecostal church as maybe some, um, it is a Pentecostal church, super, super conservative. 
played a lot of music out of just red back hymnals for a long time and i had to learn how to do it all by ear um uh but my dad uh he was a he was a drummer uh for a long time and i think in general musicians are interested in music um so even though me and him both were church musicians we listened to a lot of secular music mm-hmm. quite a bit of it um dad personally was an era i have young parents so um you know a lot of the new things that they listened to was like grunge era so i listened to a lot of alice in chains and pearl jam and stuff like that and even later my dad got into um not real proud of these two but like godsmack and Limp biscuit and stuff like that like the the new metal probably the worst end of the new metal crowd but (laughs) um but you know that's that still got me listening to like deftones and shit like that a little bit better uh at an early age um but all the while growing up playing in church, uh, when I got to a little bit better, more um, contemporary of a church of God, we started playing more and more like black gospel music and stuff like that. Um, things that were intellectually more challenging as a musician, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Um, and then I had this double life when I started playing. I started playing on a professional level, but started playing gigs out with various cover bands and even original bands when I was about 13. So I was playing secular music out Friday and Saturday nights and Sunday morning I was playing at church. Um, so I got exposed to a lot of different types of music. Um, but the musical, in, like just the intricacies of like black gospel music uh, in the church um, made me more aware. And at that time, obviously I'm a little older and I'm a little smarter at that point. Uh, it made me more and more aware of like I guess the power of music in general, and it also made me more aware and more interested in the intricacies of music, if that makes sense. Um, And then I think any musician are drawn to one or two things, if not both, and I was drawn to both. Um, I got really, really big into jazz fusion, like funk stuff, uh, stuff like that as a bass player. I really loved all that stuff. That's an easy gap to bridge from black gospel music to stuff like that. Um, It's honestly a lot the same. a lot of the same music, to be honest, um, at least idea-wise it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, it led me down a path because I already kind of had a little bit of a metalhead background from my dad. Um, it led me to listen to more and more complicated metal music for the most part. So mine's mostly, at least it started as just an interest and, and a want to listen to more talented music. So whether mm-hmm. it was listening to you know, exclusively black music, which was, you know, funk and jazz and uh, the blues and uh, gospel stuff, like shout gospel stuff and everything like that. Or if it was metal, I was just interested in intricate music in general. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we live in a a pretty much predominantly white county. So you start playing music out and stuff like that. Most of the time it's going to be rock and metal bands. Mm -hmm. It just is what it is. There's not a lot of opportunity to go play. I can't really go play in a funk band in Coleman County, Alabama. Yeah. So, you know, as a bass player and as a good one at that time, um, I mean, should I cut my first record at like, thir- I was 13 or 14 the mm-hmm. first time I recorded. Um, so at that time, like that was, I mean, if you were a good musician, that's just what you got into. So I mean, that's what I got into and you acquire a taste for it pretty quick. Um, and, you know, my interest in it was mainly I wanted tougher music to play. I wanted more challenging mm-hmm. music to play. Um, I wanted to be a better player. I practiced that stuff a lot. Um, all those genres um, and then now that I'm older um, it's become more and more about the music itself and more and more about the attitude I used to not really care and I still really don't like other people music's not really about the lyrics for me like if it's good music to me I can get around mm-hmm. lyrics 
Um, that being said, I find myself, especially being more athletically driven now, more and more geared toward content, what they're talking about. Uh, I do like a violent, violent lyric. It just is what it is. It scratches the box for me. Um, I think I find it very, very cathartic with my poor mental health. Um, I'm a very, very empathetic person. Um, don't do a lot of harm by anybody. Uh, take good care of people. But there is something cathartic about listening to music that talks about chopping people up and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, dismemberment. And uh, there's new, on the new Acacia Strain uh, uh, record, there's a, there's a lyric that says, uh, May the bodies I burn light my way. And that's like, <laughs> that's fucking cool. Like, but I don't feel those kind of things at all. But like, I'm so polar opposite personally. Like, I don't have a, a violent tendency at all. Um, I don't really, I'm not, I'm generally a pretty patient person. Um, definitely not narcissistic. I'm not very self centered. Um, so. That music kind of almost a little bit being the opposite, or at least the content of it. Those people aren't, but the content of it almost being pretty much polar opposite is cathartic to me. It's like mm -hmm. watching a horror movie. Like, I would never want any of those things to happen to anybody ever, but like, still fucking fun to watch. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know, it is like, you know, like, so, you know, I think, I think honestly, like, heavy music's helped my mental health out more than anything. Uh, it makes me really, really happy to listen to something just stupid, heavy, and stupid, violent. Um, I think that uh, heavy music opened my eyes up about spirituality a lot because there was definitely a point in my life like being growing up in a religious household, uh, music in general, especially live music, people feel very connected to live music. So these like spiritual feelings that people feel when they're at church listening to the church band play uh, their favorite praise and worship songs or favorite hymns or hymnals or something like that. Um, if it's God to you, that's fine. I, mean, I think that it probably is to a lot of people. But I can tell you that I think my, my biggest like idea swap conceptually is as, as a musician and playing it, when I started getting the same feel and playing secular music that I did playing church music, I realized that it's not God. It's just the power of music's just that fucking good. Mm -hmm. Like it's, It is a spiritual experience to get to play it and get to play it for a lot of people, whether it's in a secular setting or in a religious setting. Um, you know, people's concept of God is different. So maybe that is God to some people and maybe it is to me too. But like that, uh, that feeling you get when you're playing with something like that, or you're listening to something like that, I've experienced it in both a religious setting and a non-religious setting. So I'm just, I'm here to tell you that, uh, you know, there's just a spiritual connection I have to music regardless of, uh, where I'm performing it at or who, who quote unquote, I'm performing it for. Um, it's really interesting because like, the same feeling the entire time you're talking about that I, I kept on thinking about this song by machine head and I wish I could remember the name of it but they basically are talking about the exact same thing that you you're saying it's yeah. like music is kind of like their religion yeah absolutely and I think that <clears throat> probably not so much like churches like Braxton goes to because they're very that's a very conservative church and very traditional church in a lot of ways, but like you see a lot of undenominational churches that I honestly take a lot of issue with here in here in the county. Um they spend a whole lot of money on production and stuff like that. And the reason they spend money on production and their music programs is because that godliness, that closeness, that spirituality people are wanting to feel isn't coming from the religion. It's coming from that live music experience. Mm. That's the truth. So if they can make it dark, if they can make it look like a concert, 
if they can sway your emotions. Those are very emotional things you start playing yeah. with people. When you start pe playing with people's concept of, um, you know, just even like lot and like their si like senses, you're starting to play with some people's senses when you start dimming lots and putting on lot shows. And who knows, praise and worship music's all very, it's all very washy. There's a lot of reverb in it. Um, it's all, um, if you've ever listened to a seminal record, it's a secular record, but if you've ever listened to U2's The Joshua Tree, it's a very, very ambient record. There's a lot of things, very simple music, but there's a lot of a lot of things happening stereophonically that is really mesmerizing about that record and really, really, it's a beautiful record to listen to. But like all new praise and worship music is basically U2 worship. I mm -hmm. mean, that's they're copying it. And keep in mind, by the way, when I say U2 worship, that's like something metalheads say when a band sounds too much like Metallica. It's Metallica worship mm -hmm. or... You know, new death metal band comes around, they sound too much like Cannibal Corpse. It's Cannibal Corpse worship. So I'm not saying it's, they're worshiping you too. I'm just saying <laughs> they're ripping you two off. <laughs> but that very, very uh, like ambient music and stuff like that, they're, they're doing, that's specifically marketed to get people to feel a certain type of way. Mm. And to go with that live music setting, you dim the lights, it's dark inside, and you have this like super, super emotionally driven ambient music. Yeah, I mean, the chances of, if you have any soul at all, the chances of it, you know, putting a tear in your eye is probably pretty fucking strong. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's a big, uh, honestly, I mean, they're, the congregation is playing checkers and the people up there playing are playing chess. I mean, that's it. I mean, that's, <laughs> it's, it's an emotional manipulation. Yeah. Like, cause I, and I first noticed that, like I said, because I have the same emotional experience playing secular music as I do playing religious music and yeah. i've been hired plenty to do both so yeah it is what it is the only thing the only music i would say i don't have any type of emotional connection to is just something i outright don't like i don't even really have like much of a connection uh, you know i'm playing a cover band probably don't have much of an emotional connection to like country songs stuff like that um and i don't really i've been hired to play a lot of like broadway and like plays and stuff like mm -hmm. that i don't really have much of it's not like a doesn't do something for my spirit to play those kinds of gigs if that right. makes sense but it does what it does. Yep. That was a complicated answer. Yeah, it was a, it but, was a, felt like a tangent. I'll say this too. Um, in terms of the heavy stuff, another big thing that had an influence on me in, in terms of heavy music and Nathan remembers this and a lot of people may not, but there was a huge influx of Christian bands in the heavy scene in the early two thousands. Mm -hmm. There was a bunch of post hardcore bands. Think of bands like Norma Jean and under oath. Although I don't think Norma Jean is anymore. Under oath isn't either. Um, uh, but bands like that that claimed to be Christian bands at the time were bands that I picked up on and started listening to at church. And they were a big introduction to more alternative style or more independent style heavy music. As so, they dying, As impending dying, doom. Impending doom, yeah. I mean, they had they even had their own, the Repentagram. Yeah. They had their own, like, Pentagram logo that was made for Christian listeners. They called it the Repentagram. That's mm -hmm. what they called it. I mean, all those there's a lot of those bands that were very much an introduction to heavy music for me. And they were at the time marketed as Christian bands. Killswitch really wasn't the Killswitch, like especially the end of heartache record has a lot of biblical references on mm -hmm. that record. Lyrically, um, yeah. lyrically a ton. Um, me and you talked about a song the other day that's near and dear to my heart. The whole album is about just various ways to die, but on uh, Metallica's ride the lightning, <clears throat> uh, creeping death is a hundred percent a biblical story. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, I mean, What's funny is uh, I remember Tom Arrive Slayer talking about uh, 
context mattering so much, but if Slayer talks about drinking the blood of the lamb or whatever you want to talk about in a, in a non-religious context, they're satanic. But if you open up your hymnal, they're talking about drinking, drinking blood all the time. Like, <laughs> yeah. so it's, a, it's about a, a mental context. Like you think it's bad, but like they're saying, singing about the same shit everybody else is already mm-hmm. singing about. Like your church music's talking about the same things. So I think that, uh, for better or worse, the single most important book to all of heavy metal is the Bible. <laughs> and you'll find references to the Bible, whether you like them or not, all across heavy music. Yeah, whether it whether it's like in in I guess any sort of context, right? So they could be like I'm trying to think that there I I specifically remember a band basically talking or it may have been job for a cowboy that did something where they were talking about biblical things in a different context, basically. Yeah, sure. I mean, like the most neutral context ever is creeping death. Like Mm -hmm. they're they're talking about being basically the angel sent to take the firstborn son of, you know, the, you know, the Pharaoh's nation. Mm -hmm. So like, it's a pretty, they're not talking about it from a satanic point of view or anything like that. They're pretty much just retelling the story. Yeah. They're telling it from a specific point of view, but mm-hmm. they're not like, yeah, it's not like they're beating their chest about being Satan worshipers or being about Christians, either one. They're just, mm-hmm. it's just content. It's kind of brutal content. Like, mm-hmm. don't believe me? Pick up the Old Testament, read it. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a, a lot, lot of, of, a lot of death in the, in the Bible. There, <laughs> I, I, I forget, but there was, uh, some, uh, servant that, uh, the queen wanted his head on a platter. And they literally went there, chopped his head off, and brought it to her yeah. on a platter. And it's just like, that's kind of fucked up. You know <laughs> I mean, what I mean? It is. That's, I mean, that's brutal. An incredibly violent book, whether for better or worse. And I don't fault anybody for believing what they believe in. But uh, if you want to know how I got here, church is the number one reason I got here. Yeah. And not just because I know it's probably easy to look at me and say, he hates church. No, it's because church was my introduction to a lot of this. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's the truth. I mean, if I hadn't have been playing in church, I probably wouldn't have been as exposed to heavy music as I am now. Mm-hmm. I played in Christian metalcore bands when I was in high school. Yeah. So it is what it is. It's cool to do that back then, though. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> it's not cool it's anymore. Not so much anymore. We also wear women's jeans all the time. So I mean. <laughs> <laughs> the old skinny jeans days. Mm-hmm. I never got into that phase. Never that was before they made cuts for men that were similar. So yeah. I remember when I was, I was a Hollister size six in high school. <laughs> I always wore baggy jeans. Even Yeah, I mean I went through that too. You know what I mean? Like That's that was my whole thing. Baggy jeans or just like carpenter's jeans. Those were the only two things I probably wear. saw me in ba- baggy baggy jeans circa, you know, slipknot corn t shirts or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know That's what I mean? Fair. <laughs> That That's is kind of the vibe. That is definitely kind of the vibe. But uh, but yeah, I mean, by and large, you know, it's church that got me here. Well, Interesting. It is. It's Hopefully that answered some questions that people yeah. had. That's about as in-depth as an answer as I can give you about how I got to where I'm at. Yeah, mine was pretty um, short and sweet. I've, yeah, I mean. That was... Well, I know that you, I know you dabbled in playing music, but playing music at the level I've played to and mm-hmm. its importance to me and across my life is, uh, I've had a lot of time to reflect on how I got here. Right. So, yeah. Uh, and I don't regret it. I don't think that listening to this music is bad for me and my kid's going to grow up listening to it. I don't think it's going to be bad for her. I think by and large metalheads are more intelligent than the rest of the population. 
I think that there's probably studies out there to prove that. Matter of fact, I think that I've read a few. Um, you can Google it and find out. But um, they will always reference the Mozart versus heavy, heavy well, music. Well, I can tell you this. Let me ask you something. You take a band like Between the Buried Me. Do you think uh, 200 years from now, when people, when music scholars are studying music of our age, do you think they're going to be studying that, or do you think they're going to be studying a praise and worship band? They're going to be studying Cardi B. They're not going to be studying <laughs> Cardi B. Be, you know what I mean? But like, you look at like the um, you know the musical genius that is like probably giving them too much credit because they are a little cheesy. But like Dream Theater or, mm-hmm. or Between the Buried Me. Orchestral music isn't necessarily dying, but it's dying to the general public. Right. There's a place for it in entertainment, mm-hmm. but it's mostly movie scores and stuff like that yeah. now, right? Video game scores, mm-hmm. huge place for orchestral music. So when you go back and look at important music from our day, it's going to be music I listen to. Right. It's not going to fucking be Cardi B and Chris Stapleton. And <laughs> I mean, it's not. I completely agree because all that music is generally like fad music. It like is, it and just, there is a place in music history for folk music and folk genres, and I'm sure some of that stuff is going to rear its head mm-hmm. in some music history talk 200 years from now. But are people going to sit down, like in music school, I had to sit down and analyze Bach and Mozart and Beethoven pieces mm-hmm. um, brick by brick, break them down note by note, and look at chord progressions and melodies and harmonies and stuff like that that they use in that music. Do you really think they're going to fucking do that with... Hillsong United. There's four chords. There may be four chords on the album, let alone in a song. You know what I mean? Right. Like, there's going to be two meters. They're going to play in six, eight, and four, four, and that's that's going to be it. Like, there's not going to be. You might get, you might get six meters and as many measures in a between the buried and me song. Right. And that's not to say that that just exclusively makes them genius, but like, it's going to be musicians that push the envelope that get studied 200 years from now. Right. They're going to be remembered. It's not going to be who you think it is. Yeah, there's a there's a reason why colors was so highly praised. Yeah, right? it was it was kind of like not necessarily the first of its kind, but it was one of the best of its. It kind. won't just be them. I mean, think about like um, I tell you, a band that's remarkably good at making things sound simple, but what they're doing is actually absolutely so complicated it's hard to wrap your head around. Is Opeth? Yeah. Um, but it makes it sound it sounds so commonplace and so simple, just the way. But the harmonies are so complex mm-hmm. in that music. It's like it's. Seriously, like bebop or jazz level harmonies that you just don't hear in present music at all. And they do it in a way that it's palatable and mm-hmm. a, a normal person can listen to it. And it just sounds like normal music to them to some extent. But what's actually going on is so complicated and so like <clears throat> impressionism did with that a little bit. Like you talk about like Claude Debussy and, and, and uh, composers like that messed around with harmonies that were that complicated. But like, you're, listen, man, it's not going to be what you hear on 103.7 or 102.1 or 102.5 that it gets studied 200 years from now. Yeah. It's not going to be what you hear on 93.7 on Christian radio that's studied 200 years from now. Some of the Bach stuff was, but, you know, people reference this all the time. You know, Bach was a church musician. He was a hired gun. Bach was so smart musically that he snuck things into his church music that were actually illegal in the church at the time <laughs> and did them so smart in such a beautiful way that nobody noticed. <laughs> like the use of a tritone was illegal. It was called the the, the devil in music. Mm-hmm. That's what it was called. So that's just a diminished chord to us now. But at the time it was it was abolished in the Catholic <laughs> church. You couldn't use it because but he did it in such a genius way. He hit it in dominant in dominant chords most of the time. But he did it in such a genius way that they never noticed, and he did it just to 
mess with him just to just to fuck with him. <laughs> like he, he did i mean he, he always like good music and this isn't necessarily a religious thing but good music has always flipped a finger to the church mm-hmm. always flipped a middle finger to the church there's a church musician actively flipping the middle finger <laughs> to the, at the time the deadliest probably the deadliest mob on the planet in the catholic church mm-hmm. <laughs> it was probably at the time he was writing that music it was probably the deadliest group of people on the planet and right. he did not give a fuck <laughs> <laughs> so i mean like well you know look at it too church music's always i just referenced the joshua tree came out in the 1980s um that ambient style music that you hear in praise and worship music now came out in the 80s the church is 30 or 40, this 40 they're 40 years behind officially mm-hmm. they're playing stuff that you two played in the 80s like they're not even keeping up with history. They're not going to be studied in history later. Right. <laughs> you know, it's just not going to happen. So, and it's the same thing, honestly, for most pop music now, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's all even good kinda... pop music that I like a lot. I like, like Silk Sonic, um, Anderson Pock, and Bruno Mars's band. Fucking awesome band. They aren't doing anything that Curtis Mayfield didn't do first in the 70s, right. 50 years ago. So, like, I just doubt very seriously. You know, if you're, if you look at music from a serious point of view, I don't know that it's going to be looked at. Um, what most people listen to is going to be looked at with any type of serious, you know, intellectual contemplation. Right. Two hundred years from now. Yeah, it's just, I'm just curious, like, what kind of music would be two hundred years from now? What what's what's the sound? It may be dead. Yeah. Which I hope I hope not. But I don't think so. Um, music has been it's been around since we've been alive like like well you know i think about like the advent of ai AI and stuff like that like if you wanted you know there's ai stuff good enough now if you wanted to print out sheet music for an album in the style of colors but not colors Mm. it could probably print you that out right now right and it's like frustrating because of how many years it probably took to write that music but how good Um, is it like how good is the music you are missing soul you're missing inflection and stuff like that and that's my problem with dance music now is like mostly most things that are created solely electronically is missing it it feels like dance music feels robotic and mm -hmm. mindless and soulless to me i think that's the point right that's the human element is the reason why music touches people it's it's not it's not about the necessarily the notes and the combination in which they connect it's it's about the human connection it's about the human element that's that's what that's what makes a difference between for music. Yeah, and I realize that know. these people are having like real human connections at these shows and stuff like mm-hmm. that that are not even played, but press play by a DJ. Right. You know what I mean, um, so I get that there is some human element getting achieved, um, but like I mean, like even it just sounds like robotic and stuff. But also, you know, it's a matter we talked about it. We talk about it with food all the time. Uh, we talk about it in politics. There's a reason why there's only two major parties here in the United States: is the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. I don't agree with either one of them, mm-hmm. but those two things having choice A or choice B is easy and convenient for people. Mm-hmm. Pop music is consumed the same way fast food is. People don't want to have to go out and look for good music, so they take it at face value. And one hundred three seven plays this. This means this song's cool. This is what I'm listening to. Like, mm-hmm. um, there's a few more sources now, but like you know, SoundCloud rappers. Like that's a one stop shop for people. People that that was easy and convenient for people to find new music for a little right. while. And it put a lot of bullshit on the map. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like nobody's like looking hard for good music anymore. And I say nobody as it's a general population. Right. It's not all of us, but like disappointing. Mm-hmm. So 
everything gets consumed the same way, whether it's politics, food, music. Fuck, your favorite sports team. I was going to say entertainment in general. Entertainment in general, it's all about ease and convenience. Yep. And your health now is about ease and convenience. I I can specifically just like think about like stuff used to be if you wanted to watch a TV show, you had to be there at a specific time on a specific channel to watch it. Nobody's going to do that anymore. If you can't, if you can't stream it, I'm not watching it. Yeah. And I'm guilty of that. Yeah. And I mean, it's fair, right? Because like you get, you've be, we've become so accustomed to it. It's like it should be available on stream at some point. So I'll wait, and if it doesn't, then I just won't watch it. Yeah. By another note, though, look how easy easy it could be to access new, good, artfully done music now, and it doesn't have to be genres that I like. Mm-hmm. But it's so easy. You have so much stuff at access, and it's still not getting consumed because it's still not because you know. Your friend you go to the club with every Friday night don't like that, so there's mm-hmm. no, it's not easy and convenient for you to just fall into that, right? Right. right. It's always, it's always something else. I mean, this is what it is. So I just don't know. I don't know what music looks like 200 years from now. And by the same exact token, and for the same reason, I don't know what fitness looks like mm-hmm. 200 years from now. Um, food. Look at yeah, food. Look at uh, a prime example of this is the Ozempic fad right now for people in weight loss. Yeah. Well, why are they buying it? Because it's easier than diet and exercise. Yeah. It's a, it, it, is it a shot or is it a it's pill? It's a shot. Yeah. It's a shot. Yeah. It's, it's a lot easier to get a shot than it is to change your life. Oh, it's a hell of a lot easier. Yeah. It'd be even easier, you know, metformin is a pill, but they know they mm-hmm. don't hand it out like they do Ozempic. Right. Like, it's a lot easier to do that than it is to just fucking quit eating ice cream. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Ice cream is goddamn good. It's fucking good. <laughs> but, like... You know, I mean, it's it's always ease and convenience. Yeah. You lost 30 pounds on Ozempic? Oh, shit, I need to go get on that shit, too. Mm-hmm. Right. Don't have to change anything about your day-to-day life. No need to be more disciplined or a better person or anything like that that fitness brings people. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll just do Ozempic. Yep. It's fine. Whatever. And when it's when that's done, that fad's over with, it's going to be something else. Yeah. And they inevitably find some sort of horrible side effect that kills people or... They already did, them. right? The, did they? I think I think there's some like cancer links to Ozempic or something. Was like it? That. Yeah, I think so. I would have to hold on a second. We'll just do some research real quick and. Yeah, I don't want to talk out of my ass to you guys, so. Yeah, definitely not. But I do think I remember hearing something about there was something, but I don't know. I feel like Lane Norton was talking about it, and again, this is just recollecting. I don't know for certain. I feel like he was talking about it, and there was something like it wasn't as serious as the claims had made it out to be or something. The chances were really low. I can't remember specific. Kidney problems, allergic reactions, gallbladder problems, changes in vision, uh, inflammation of your pancreas or pancreatitis is what that's called, low blood sugar. Um, uh, mild ones, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, stomach pain, constipation. Um Uh, and it has recently been linked to to a very high risk of thyroid cancer. So it was yeah. linked to cancer. So, Well, wh- what a surprise. Instead of... Still easier yeah. than making it's, a swap from, you know, 85.15 to 93.7, though. <laughs> but I mean, <clears throat> is living with thyroid cancer easier than Well, we talk about it all apple. the time in fitness. You have to choose your heart. Yeah. Your diet can be hard, and you can have a long, healthy life, or you can have a short, unhealthy life, and that's going to be hard, too. Yeah. So, 
You gotta choose your hard. Some people just aren't willing to choose. Most people are willing to put off the hard. Yeah. And for the lot, diet wise, I'll be honest, for the most part, I have been. We've talked about that uh, constantly. Mm -hmm. I'm aware. I'm not, neither me or you, you're more disciplined diet wise, but we all do something like this. Like yeah. we're always, we're all participating in the ease and convenience and the here and now over yeah. the long term right answer in some way. Mm -hmm. But uh, kind of bullshit, man. Like dangerous. Mm hmm. That's going to be, it may be the fall of Western civilization, to be honest. I, I think one thing that's really interesting is like when people get really overweight and, you know, some, sometimes they don't notice it immediately, right? They don't notice how much everything hurts immediately. Yeah, normal is normal to somebody. When they're younger, it, especially if they get overweight when they're younger, they kind of like, they just don't really notice like, oh, this is just the way life feels. They don't know that life can feel better. And it's, it's just really interesting that people will be like, oh, well, you know, they'll be 25, 26, you know, like. I feel fun. Feel great. You know, they're like, oh, your blood work comes back good, even though you do need to lose weight, but your blood map, blood work comes back good. And then, you know, maybe five years down the road, oh, well, starting to look a little worse. You know, are you starting? To, my joints are starting to hurt a little more, too. Like, no, yeah, well, you should probably lose some weight. Well, it was never a problem in the past. Well, that's because you were healthier. Like you were younger. Your body you were was probably thinner. Even probably if you were so. Yeah, yeah you probably did put on more weight because your metabolism slowed down as you yeah. got older. Yeah. That's one thing that has been somewhat of a blessing for me is that my metabolism has slowed down a little well, bit. Well, as a powerlifter and as somebody that was always a hard gainer, that's yeah. true. Yeah, it's absolutely. like, you know, but. As a kid, I was always extremely skinny. I had a super high metabolism. I could eat anything I wanted and I would never gain weight. And it took like force feeding to gain weight. And now, you know, whereas when I was first starting, it took like, you know, 4,000, 4,500 calories to gain weight. I can gain weight on 35 now. Yeah. You know, there there's a lot more muscle mass there and movements a little more, you know, it works a little harder. I mean... I don't know. It just, it seems like my metabolism has just slowed down as I've gotten older. And that's, that's I'm fair. just, we're talking a three year difference. Yeah. You know, well, from 20, 26 to 29, I'm going to be 30 this year. Yeah. You know, it's, it's slowed down that much. A thousand calories. You think about a thousand calories, that's a lot of food. It is. That's, a, you know, that's for some people, they probably died a little bit too stringently. It's mm -hmm. a whole day's worth of food difference. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, it's wild, man. Um, but people, like I said, people don't, if they can put off the hard, they're mm -hmm. gonna always put off the hard. Yeah, and that's the unfortunate. And that's the shame. Yeah. So, no, so, it is what it is, man. That went off big time. But I yeah. mean, uh, I'll be honest with you. Like we were talking about the ease and convenience of music, you know, leading people to having bad taste and not not looking into those things. But it ease and convenience is a poison that affects every aspect of our everyday life. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Ease of convenience of getting Burger King DoorDash to your house as opposed to cooking a steak. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, hell, you could cook a ribeye and it's the fatty. That's the fattiest meal on the planet, just about. Yeah, and it's still going to be healthier and less fat than a fucking Whopper. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like, but but you're not going to get a Whopper. You're going to get a double Whopper with cheese, extra mayo, a fry, fries, and a large Coke. Yeah, right. Because yeah, absolutely. or maybe a milkshake if you're feeling. You could actually crispy. have a better meal. By the time you pay DoorDash, you could have a quality ribeye, mm -hmm. probably 16 ounces of baked potato. And a salad. And a salad. 
nobody in no red-blooded american is going to turn that meal down and it probably by the time you doordash it's probably still cheaper than mm-hmm. yeah if you a cook fucking ribeye if you cook <laughs> a, it at a pound home, of ribeye is yeah. still going to be cheaper you think about than, it even even the expensive pound of ribeye you're probably spending like 18 bucks on it yeah for a pound. that's every bit of a doordash order now yeah if you're going to get a double whopper with cheese a large fry and a large coke yeah you're going to spend 18 dollars on that yeah potatoes not going to cost you much Five pound bag. Potatoes, you probably already got like, the butter, salt, and pepper yep. in the refrigerator somewhere. Like, hell salad, yeah, you can do what I bucks. do. You can fucking skip the salad if you want to. Yep. Like, but I mean, you can eat better. Yeah. And let me tell you something. A steak is, you know, if you're cooking it correctly, if you don't fucking cook it to death, <laughs> at a, I don't five hundred and fifty uh, degree grill, which five fifty to six hundred is ideal in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's three and a half minutes aside for a medium rare steak. Yeah. And that's not that's not a long time to cook. And you don't even have that's to. That's faster than the like, fucking DoorDash. You just, <laughs> like, you live, uh, like uh, unless you're seasoning it or marinating it or whatever and letting it, you know, yeah. sit. Well, I'm a dry rub guy. So it's like, just, yeah, I'm going to season it the way I want it and just going to come to room temperature and I'm going to throw it on the grill for three and yeah. a half minutes aside. That's it. Yeah. Like, so you're talking Think, 20 minutes in total. Yeah. Maybe. Now, if maybe. You, if, if you're, you're doing, like I said, if you're setting it out and let it come to room temperature before you put it on the grill like you're supposed to, like, yeah, well, 20 minutes. If you're if yeah. you're doing a potato, yeah, I mean a little bit longer. Potatoes, shit, dude. Forever. Box. I mean, I've used this before when I was on the vertical diet. Box mashed potatoes. If you're willing to do skim milk and no butter, perfectly good macros, and you can get dozens of meals out of a big mm-hmm. box of instant mashed potatoes. Is it your preferred potato? No, but at least it's done in fucking five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like I mean, if you do if you do like homemade mashed potatoes, I think it usually takes me like 15, 20 minutes to do some homemade mashed potatoes. Yeah. So, I mean, you think about that, that's still going to be better than eating French fries that have been in and a listen, deep I'm, fryer that's been fried an 100 absolute, days in a row. I am an absolute slut for fast food. <laughs> uh, so, I know how convenient. That's a devil of mine that I am mm. absolutely trying to beat. Um, But, I mean, it, I guess my point is it just it extends past just one thing. There's so mm. many parts of our lives where we're going to reach for easy and convenient now before... Mm-hmm we reach for something that's even slightly more hard. Yeah. I just told you, you're probably, eating, if you grill a steak, you're probably eating sooner than you would if you DoorDash. Yeah. All right. But. So you're really talking about, yeah, at that point you're not even talking about the now, you're talking about just ease and convenience. And let, but let me tell you from this perspective, and this is a perspective that I have had in the past, I could be doing something else while I'm waiting for this food to come to me. It's not necessarily getting it sooner, it's the fact that time is money. I could and I be doing that. something yeah. else, you know, and that's I feel like that it could be a little bit of it, it's a little bit of everything, right? There's the I don't know how to cook. Well, it's not that hard. Watch a couple YouTube videos, you'll learn it's how to cook. Literally real. follow instructions. Yeah, it's not hard. But then it's the well, I'll my I'm, my schedule's busy. I don't have time. Well, you can make time. Like you honestly you can. can. You if if from my perspective. I make meals to like my my two breaks at work. I make meals for all five days. I work four days, but I make it from Monday through Friday. Takes me about an hour to make meals for 10, 10 meals. Actually, 15. 15 I, I forget because I do I do my meal at the end of the night, too. So an hour out of my Sunday for 15 meals. Pretty easy trade off. You, you think about. I bet more, that you. I bet that is better time than a. It might not be better. It might not be saving you time over DoorDash, 
But it's definitely saving you time over sitting in a drive-thru. Yeah. Do you think about how, how long does a drive-thru trip take? If you take Especially now. 10 minutes. It could be even longer because, like, you think about how understaffed they are now. So you're talking about two and a half hours total time for those 15 meals in a drive-thru line versus one hour cooking it yourself. Mm-hmm. So you're actually saving yourself an hour and a half. Yeah. I mean, you're going to sit at 10 minutes most places. Yeah, at least. I mean, just, think about just driving. Even there. the... Just just driving there. Yeah, absolutely. You, you got to get there, too. Yeah, on top of like, not, not even... Can, like, you think about, like, you cook all this food and you haven't prepped. It's in there whenever you're ready the, for it. The glorious and wonderful Chick-fil-A <laughs> is even a 10-minute wait sometimes when yeah. you drive through. So, they, you still, like you said, you still got to get there and still got to get it home. Yeah. So, or wherever you're going, whether it's yeah. back to work or whatever. Yeah. You, there's still that time frame that you're spending going and getting the food. If you if you don't think it takes a long time to sit through a drive through work somewhere where you only get a 30-minute lunch and try to go get, try to go get a fast food meal on your 30 minute lunch break and make it back to work on time that don't that don't happen you eat you eat it on the way there you you get there you eat it while you're driving back to work and if you're not done you're eating it as you're walking back into work yeah you're not you're not sitting there enjoying your lunch at work in the break room yeah how fucking miserable is that too that's stressful yeah because now not only are you stressing out because you're spending a fortune on fast food i guarantee you that's the person that says i don't get enough breaks at work or works too hard Mm mm-hmm Probably so. As the one that spent all their break, they could have sat sitting on their ass like it's meant to do. Mm-hmm. They spent it, you know, fighting traffic in a drive-through line Being for two thousand calories of McDonald's to just be stressed out and waste a piss their break away. Yeah, and you, you, you just think mm-hmm. about like stress level, stress raising cortisol, like it, <laughs> like all around it. Just it's just more and more sounds like a terrible idea. It does, yeah. <laughs> I think it's harder and harder to justify the more we talk about it. Yeah. There's there's so many more cons than there are pros. Yeah, we the, talked the, about it at the beginning of the book. I don't know if we were rolling yet. We're, <laughs> I saw something on, on average, a fast food meal is about $15 now. Mm-hmm. And on average right now, a home-cooked meal is still between like 3 and $4. Yeah. So like you're literally spending five times the money and potentially two and a half times the time, according mm-hmm. to Nathan's math. Now it does depend on what you're cooking yeah. and how you're how you're going about it, but like I can tell you right now, I make steak, rice, carrots, and broccoli or green beans now every every day. That's that's a staple meal in my diet, uh, and then spaghetti with uh, beef. Uh, I'm doing a little bit fattier, eighty five, um, and then just some sort of tomato sauce, just to like because it's fairly lean for what it is. Like sure. you don't, you might, you might not think, oh, that's a lot of carbs and stuff, but I'm allowed to have a lot of carbs. I'm just not yeah. allowed to have a lot of fat right now. But I mean, super easy, you know, doesn't take too long to cook. And then my, my other one, I here lately, I've just been doing a tuna sandwich because it's convenient. The macros are really good on it. Um, but used to, I do like a thing of chicken and rice. I'd cook my rice all at the same time. I'd cut up some chicken, I'd grill it or shred it or whatever I was going to do, maybe a vegetable with it. And then I've just been doing fruit with it. Fruit's super easy. You just buy it. <laughs> yeah, <it's> a, <laughs> you literally just buy it. Just buy it. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you got a pineapple, you might have to cut it up. You can buy it cut up. Yeah. Fruit is so accessible. Like it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it, we, I mean, we could sit here and get more and more frustrated. I get frustrated with myself thinking about this. <laughs> This very much is my problem. Mm. So it is what it is. I'm a motherfucker that'll have meal prep done and still go buy fast food. 
So, I mean, it's a, it's an addiction on top of that, man. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Well, you, they, they do make it in a way that is so extremely palatable that, like, you just crave it. Yeah, you're... The sugar... Rat, you're like a fucking rat in a maze for that it, shit. It's like, just, like, the, the combination of the salt and the sugar, like, is just extremely... Like, you just want it. Yeah. Like, I could think about it right now. Like, man, I could go to Wendy's and get, like, a Dave's Double. It's fucking good. Like it just tastes good. Yeah, it does. Tastes great. Well, we've done a lot of rant in this episode. We probably need to wrap it up. That's that's gonna be the whole episode. It's just, just we just ran it. Rants. We, we didn't we didn't rants. have a clear we, we answered Braxton's question. Well. <laughs> we didn't have a clear topic today. And that may have bled through a little bit, but it'll be the rant episode. It's the rant. The rant episode. That's what it is. But we still got to do dad jokes. Yeah, I'm going to give you dad wisdom. I actually told it to you a while ago, but uh, okay. just for the record, um, it's considered training as long as you have gloves on, apparently, <laughs> when it comes to beating your kids. <laughs> so me. So, so wear boxing gloves, dad. <laughs> I wish my dad would have wore boxing gloves. <laughs> but don't you have to give them boxing gloves too? Oh, yeah. I mean, they have to have gloves for it to be fair, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> fair. Fair. Yeah. He's having a girl, by the way. <laughs> Just I am having, he's also having a girl. I am also having a girl. <laughs> Just to take that into consideration, um, it might might be deemed a little less vile if it was a boy, but you put boxing gloves on and start hitting a little girl. Man, no, I don't, I don't know, think I'm, I'm not doing that. But Oh, I wouldn't either. I mean, I, just the thought of it makes me go, Oof. I got a feeling my little girl's gonna whoop a lot of little boy ass though for oh, a yeah. little while probably. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm hoping. Yeah. Uh, so I did the smart thing that I said last week, and I saved a bunch of dad jokes that I found throughout the week. Uh oh. So you were prepared. I was prepared this week. Let's go. I'm buddy. gonna give you a few. So, uh, if you're feeling down, try drinking a pint of water before going to bed. It'll give you a reason to get up in the morning. <laughs> Great. Uh, I've dedicated my whole life to finding a cure for insomnia. I won't rest until I found it. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably pretty accurate. <laughs> probably. <laughs> so I went to a job interview and the interviewer asked me uh, what my greatest weakness was. And I told her, well, I'm a little too honest. Uh, or him, excuse me. He said, uh, I don't think that's a we weakness. And I said, well, I don't give a fuck what you think. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess this is the last one I saved. So we'll end it on this one. <laughs> what do you call a deceased Finnish man? I don't know. Finished. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, waka waka. Oh, <laughs> uh, those last two got me pretty good. <laughs> Finish. I have to. Have to. I remember there was a uh, mutiny on Facebook, and I really, I really hate this. But I'm gonna share this real quick. Uh, I caused a huge uprising on Facebook one time, way back in the day, because you know I'm not on Facebook now. I hate that fucking thing. This is like circa 2010 or so. Uh, Ryan Dunn from Jackass had passed away. Mm. And uh, my status for the day was stick a fork in him, he's done. <laughs> I spelled it D-U-N-N. -N. Uh, that, uh, 
<laughs> yeah. That uh that, that caused some bedlam, I'll tell you. Yeah. Tell yeah. You. That comment section was fucking brutal, dog. Yeah, I, I imagine you got you got hit pretty hard by probably everyone on your friends list. At least ninety percent of them. Well, you know, this is this was my justification. Probably not that soon, but there's not a single person on that jackass staff that would have laughed at that. Oh yeah. They, they all would have thought it was funny. He would have thought it was yeah, funny. He would if he I did the best I could honoring him and that man <laughs> at that moment, to be honest with you. Yeah, for I mean, sure. Yeah. Oh man. That's what it is. I think I, I couldn't make the same joke about Paul Walker. <laughs> Cause his last name wasn't done. <laughs> I feel like there was like a joke. No, it was a, it was Kobe. It was Kobe. <laughs> yeah, but I guess that's where we're in it. <laughs> I, I told you that one at the gym, and you were like, "Oh man, too soon." I was like, "Yeah, but it was fucking funny." So I wish I could remember what it was. Yeah, I don't remember the context of it. Either. Oh, I remember the context. I just don't remember the joke itself. It was something about something about you can't say Kobe anymore, and I don't remember why. That was the whole joke can't say kobe anymore and then there's something i don't remember something. <sighs> poor man poor daughter rest in peace he was great great athlete good person i think maybe yeah yeah i mean i think for the most part he was Pro probably not a terrible per well he was a hard worker i don't know man <laughs> you just don't know anymore like you could yeah he had, well this is probably controversial he did have some uh strong allegations brought up against him mm. in the early 2000s well it is what it is. We'll go into detail because everybody misses him. I think that is somebody that everybody genuinely misses. Yeah, he is one of those athletes that transcended the sport. Like even mm. if you, even if you didn't give a fuck about basketball, you know who Kobe you know, is. You know who Kobe is. It's the same thing with like um, uh, LeBron and Michael Jordan. Like, yeah, basketball has a weird way of uh, finding these like idols that transcend the sport. Mm. Yeah, the only it, person... a, it has a lot more casual fans than any other sport. I think. I think the only only baseball athlete to really do that was Barry Bonds. I can't think Bonds, of well, a bunch of those guys like Bonds, McGuire. I think around here, I think about Chipper Jones as being I, like I somebody that, like, I, like name, that's yeah. a that's a household name. Right? Yeah. But like, yeah, not too many baseball. Um, Seems like it's mostly football like and that. basketball. That's kind yeah, of like, basketball. Football gives us so many; it's almost hard to keep up yeah. with. But basketball just has had like five or six guys that doesn't matter. Don't matter if, if you, you like it or yeah. the sport or not. You know who they are, and you know they're fucking good at what they do. Yeah. Basketball's given us more of those individuals than anybody has. And then an odd one, I'm not the biggest fan because I hate the sport, but Tiger Woods did that with golf. Yeah, that's like, true. Even if, you didn't, even if you didn't give a fuck about golf, and I absolutely don't, mm -hmm. you got to think Tiger Woods was a badass back in the day. Yeah. I mean, he was, so. I mean, he. That's what it is. He just, he basically won 90% of the the championships he was in, right? Like, for so the longest time, he just like. Time, but, but yeah, for a long time, like, if he, he was, was playing, he was dominant. winning. Yeah. yeah so. But this is this is not a sports podcast. It's not. Well, I mean, powerlifting is a sport. You don't need a whole topic to talk about powerlifting being a sport. No. But we won't go into that either. So thank you guys so much for listening. <laughs> Raise <us>. five stars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even if you don't listen, give us a download, please. That helps our metrics somehow. I don't fucking know how the Spotify algorithm works. But downloads and likes and follows are what apparently we need. So should we leave the coasters here? Maybe. I think I'm just gonna brunt it. Oh, I just, I'm just gonna be like, hey. 
Um. I'm gonna say I'm gonna take mine out while it's in one piece. Okay. <laughs>